Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. But Andrew from YouTube says he would love to hear more about my thoughts on retroactive jealousy. Um, he saw an insightful video of mine a while back and it was very interesting. Ah, well, very good. So Andrew, um, I would presume that what you're saying with retroactive jealousy is your partner, who I assume would be a woman. I typically attract hetero dudes to my material and hetero women. Um, she had a relationship in the past and there's something about it that makes you feel icky. So what is it exactly, Andrew? I'll put you on the spot here. Maybe you want to flesh that a little bit more. Um, you know, but you're not necessarily saying this is your uh, suggestion or your uh, situation, rather. Um, but I'm assuming this has touched you on a personal level. That's why you're bringing it up. This is not unusual. It's uh, it's labeled by a lot of people as kind of an insecure thing, and they're not wrong. I guess it's very situation dependent. You know, if um, I'm talking to some guy and he says, my wife used to be, you know, a prostitute or some kind of sex worker or something like that. And I have some real problems thinking about the hundreds and hundreds of men that she has slept with. I say, well, you have every right to feel a little weird about that. I think most people would. And then there are some people that say, oh, you're just being insecure. Let it go, dude. I say, oh, he has every right to feel weird about it, right? But um, if it's just, hey, they were with a person. And, you know, like most adults used to be with other people to marry somebody or get with somebody who is a, what do they say, a full-fledged virgin, that's highly unusual, very rare, and it's not, not necessarily the best thing for a sexual relationship. What do I mean by that? Um, if you are with somebody who has never, ever been physical with another human being before, more specifically, never had sexual intercourse before, they probably don't know themselves sexually very well. Case can be made that um, it's a good thing your more conservative types say that's a good thing. You want them to learn with you. You want them to grow and mature with you sexually and get to know that part of themselves with you. Well, the case could also be made that um, how are they going to know what it is they like? How are they going to know who they are sexually unless they have past experience? Um, but there's a dividing line, isn't there? There's a tipping point where it goes from good, healthy, past sexual experience too. Like I mentioned before, what if they were a sex worker, a prostitute, and they were with hundreds of individuals? Most of us say, oh God, that's a little much. Um, so where's, where's the tipping point there? 
And uh, But back to your original question, what do you do about retroactive uh, jealousy? Oh, here you followed up with some additional information. says it's a tough one. Before me, it turned out that she had some pretty, quote, easy encounters. Not hundreds, but she was so easy for them, and it really bothers me. Well, how do you know that, Andrew? Did you uh, come upon some information? Um, this is something that I did a little, uh, maybe the video you're talking about, where um, thanks to the internet these days, some people flat out didn't believe that this was the thing. Some people were saying, I just made this up. But I think, Andrew, you can attest to this. Um, thanks to the internet, thanks to people publishing or putting out photos, blogs used to be a big thing, not so much anymore, like live journal and so forth. So when I'm talking to 40, 50 some year olds, they say, I found some old blog online diary of my wife or my girlfriend. And I discovered, holy shit, this person used to be all kinds of sexual. Sure would like to see that side of them. And I don't ever see it. And it bothers me. Frankly, rightfully so. You'd have to be kind of, I don't know, be kind of weird for it not to bother you a little bit. But then again, people have chapters in their life. Maybe they were more free and open and experimental in their 20s, but then they settled down and became less so. Men and women both go through phases like this for sure. It's just that if you're a person who is highly sexual and you're looking for some of that, oh, physical validation and so forth from your partner and you found out they used to give it in spades to previous partners but not you, of course that's going to make you feel a little weird. Maybe that's what you're talking about here, Andrew, that uh, they used to be very uh, open sexually, easy encounters, um, and you aren't getting that, right? And it bothers you. You're comparing. Like... Uh, this taps into something that is very um, uncomfortable to get into for a lot of people. But let's try to be mature and, and talk it through here, right? There's no judgment here. Um, in the world of, of um, sexual intimacy for men, typically, not always, for most of us, there's some work behind it. Let's say uh, you see a pretty girl across the room. Got to get up the nerve. Got to have the balls to walk over to her. That's some work, you know. You got to have some uh, some charisma about you. Some chutzpah, as they say. You got to have some uh, some game, as the kids say. And you walk over and you say, hey, "I'm Ralph. What's your name?" And you get to know them. Got to put in the work. Let me buy you a drink. Spend a few bucks. That shows what that you're a person of status. That you're you're able to afford a drink. And um, you know what? Why don't you give me your number? I'd like to take you out to dinner sometime. Right away, you're taking out to dinner. That's, uh, you know, from the male perspective, that's some work, some investment. You're investing money, time. You're being very vulnerable emotionally, all this other stuff. Putting yourself out there. You're putting in work and you're putting in time. And it may be three, four, five, ten dates later. You get to the finish line, so to speak, of real sexual intimacy. She feels safe enough with you. Gets to know you. Uh, falls in love all this other stuff, and then you're able to do the deed. And as, as crass as that seems, that's kind of why we're all kind of doing this song and dance, right? To propagate the species, to do the deed. So anyway, what if you go through all of that and um, you really fall in love with this person and you had to go through all this song and dance to get to the end, but then you found out that uh, your partner actually was with uh, a lot of people prior to you and they didn't have to put in as much, quote, work to get the deed done. All they had to say was, hey, pretty, What's your name? And away they go, right? That would make you feel like you were a, quote, loser compared to the other guys. The other guys got to the finish line that much easier than what you did. That sounds very crass. It sounds, you know, we can, oh, we can mold that to say that's somewhat of a misogynistic, quote, red pill or whatever nonsense 
you know, internet nonsense you come up with. Uh, but that's human sexuality 101. That's the mating dance. The mating dance is typically, hey, you know, I'm a male. Am I worthy of your time, woman? Let me put in some work to show you that I'm worthy. And voila, you become my mate. We see that all throughout the animal kingdom. You ever watch those nature programs where the big bird does a little dance in front of the, you know, the, the male bird does a dance in front of the female bird? Why is it that across the animal kingdom, it's always the males that have the big ornamental feathers, fur, the colors and everything else? Because we're trying to win the female. So when we do that, we discover that this guy didn't even have to fluff his feathers. All he did was just walk up to her and he got it. Well, he's the winner. I'm the loser. That's how a lot of men look at that. So that's, I think, the crux of a lot of your question there is, man, dude was the winner. I wasn't. I had to put in all this work. And people label that as insecure. And they got a point. There is some insecurity in that. You know, you can look at that and say, you know, like my partner went through a phase. They were young, experimental. Maybe those guys have something I don't. Hey, good for those guys. Maybe we're not a great match in that way. Maybe I should let you go. Maybe um, maybe you need to find somebody that pushes your buttons in that way. And I'm not that person. You know, shake hands and go about your separate ways. I don't, I'm not going to shame you or call you insecure, Andrew, or others for thinking that way. It's a perfectly valid way of thinking, whether it's a man or a woman. And something that I've mentioned, uh, not to go down this rabbit hole of past promiscuity, uh, it's not a strictly female thing in terms of it possibly being a... Uh, having a negative impact or a negative factor on a long-term monogamous relationship. I have seen, or spoken to rather, a lot of men who have um, a, a promiscuous past, they're former players, right? And then they're like, I'm going to settle down. I'm tired of screwing around with all these dozens of women, and it was fun while it lasted, but none of these women are relationship material. I'm, I'm going to settle with this one. It, I'm getting my needs met sexually where we really click in that way, but intellectually and emotionally, I finally found the one and they settle. And then um, the relationship becomes serious. They become secure. They become comfortable with each other, familiar with each other. And then they have kids and the, and the sex naturally dissipates and goes down. And here's Mr. Former playboy, Mr. Player guy saying, I used to get it like three times a week on average with three different women. And now I'm, I find myself kind of begging a woman for you know, once or twice a month. Um, those men, and I've talked to those men, tend to sleep around a lot, cheat. Um, they, um, they don't settle for scraps. And so I tell women, you know, be careful. If you're with Mr. Playboy, he used to, you know, has a roster of women in his wake to say he's going to settle down for one and one only. Um, oof, good luck with that. So, we could flip the genders and the case could be made the other way as well. Um, I'm going to stick with Andrew here. I'm jumping over some other comments. Uh, Andrew flushes out this further and he says, yeah, he'd, he being her past, your, your partner's past partner. Uh, he'd basically pick her up, do her in the car, uh, down a nearby dirt track, even pick her up dinner hour and do her in the car <laughs> on an industrial estate and then drop her back off. How do you know all this, Andrew? Kind of like the price for me is lifelong commitment, but the price for him wasn't even worth the petrol to drive her home to a bed. She required nothing from him for him to get that from her. You know, Andrew, you're, you're, you are just, uh, uh, you're doing an excellent job of 
describing what I was talking about. This is relatively common um, sentiment from a lot of men. It's retroactive jealousy thing, I guess. It bothered me for so long. Yet for me, after giving her everything in life, I get thrown a bone every couple of weeks. So what you're saying is totally how I feel. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, buddy. So, I mean, there's different ways of looking at this, right? He has tools in his toolbox, the other dude. Let's call him John. John, the ex-boyfriend, he was able to get out of her uh, um, hypersexual, yeah, hypersexual state of mind, the state of being. And um, you have to jump through a lot of hoops to get less. So you do these 12 things to get a fraction of what John got for not doing anything. And that makes you feel like shit. Okay, so why is that, right? Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe John's Mr. Loverboy. Maybe John, as far as your um, spouse or partner is concerned, really had that sexual it. He really had it going on. He had, you know, the, the, he checked some boxes that really got her going. That's, that's what you don't want to hear, right? Andrew and guys in your, in your position, you're like, Ralph, I, I don't want to hear that. That just makes me feel worse. That could very well be it. Is there anything necessarily wrong with that? No, I've talked to men who are like, I was with this crazy woman who had, you know, borderline personality disorder and she ended up, you know, chasing after me a knife. But I tell you what, we had the hottest sex imaginable, man. It was holy crap. Three, three times a day, middle of the night, she would, you know, do me in the parking lot of the local Kroger or whatever it may be. We just had the most awesome over the top, hot, sexy, whatever. And, um, I can't seem to get that from my wife. So it's somewhat similar to what you're talking about with the genders flipped. So that's, you don't want to hear that. That could very well be it. Or like I alluded to earlier, um, people have chapters in their lives. What if honest to God, your, your wife says I was experimental, free, open, and a lot of things I did with John, I look back on and I go, God, oof, I, I, do, I would not do that again. I, you know, again, I was young, experimental. I was very insecure. And that's why I did a lot of those things. And looking back on it, I wish I didn't. And here's you saying, I don't know if you verbalized this to her or not. Yeah, can you do those things with me? And she's like, hey, I really don't want to. I don't like that chapter in my life. I'm not that person anymore. Could very well be the case. Um, don't know. Uh, does it bother you enough to uh, end the relationship with the missus? That's the question. Is there a um, is there a hypersexual girlfriend out there waiting for you? Maybe she used to be. Maybe she never was. I, as you can see, these are pretty complicated situations. I'm not one to do what a lot of people do, which is um, you know, throw you under the bus and call you an insecure little man, baby. You need to get over it. She doesn't want to do those things anymore. She doesn't have to. No, I completely empathize with where you're coming from. This is your, your, your emotions and your feelings in this are completely valid. You, and you, um, you're not a bad person for feeling that. So don't ever, you know, think that you're a little weakling for thinking those things. I think anybody in their right mind would go down that, that path, you know, thought wise. So, um, yeah, something to talk about further. If you'd like to, you can always chat with me one-on-one dadstartingover.com and go to the coaching. Uh, you can join our men's club. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more 
and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge, discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team, discounts on our video courses, and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.